Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. Amen. Before you sit down, take your Bible and turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 11. I'm not going to be long, uh, but I just want to share this uh, with you this morning. I, I feel, I, I felt for several weeks to begin to move in, in this direction. Really didn't intend to do it today, but uh, this is not my pulpit. It belongs to him, so I try to listen and do what he would have me to do. But I want to begin to move in the direction of dealing with some things uh, concerning uh, the time that we're in and uh, some things that, that I think we as a body of Christ need to be aware of. Uh, and I want to, we're, Lord's willing, we're going to begin to, I talked to you Wednesday night, I told you I was going to share some things about Judas. We talked about Judas on Wednesday night. Uh, just briefly, and I told you I wanted to share some things more on that, and I'm going to do that. Uh, but it goes into uh, the 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 time that we're in, uh, and uh, the end time, uh, the mark of the beast, um, false prophet, things such as that. Uh, I think one thing that all this that we've been going through has has brought out and caused us to recognize and see is that there's there's no end to what people don't know when it comes to scripture. And the only way that we can know is if we have we have to put society, the world and what's going on with the world up against the plumb line of the Word of God. Because outside of the Word of God, we don't know anything. This is a faith walk. We walk by faith and not by sight. God's Word is the only book that we have that we can go by. And there are things that are very clear in God's Word, and then there are things uh, that, that we might not understand about God's Word. But uh, So we're going to begin to talk about that and... and uh, look into that, but I want to start this morning on the subject simply of signs. I mentioned that a while ago, you've been seeking a sign, uh, and uh, we're going to talk about signs this morning. Luke chapter 11, uh, and beginning with verse 29, and when the people were gathered thick together, he began to say, Jesus began to say, this is an evil generation. They seek a sign, and there shall no sign be given it, but the sign of Jonas the prophet, or Jonah the prophet. Verse 34, as Jonah was a sign unto the Ninevites, so shall also the Son of Man be to this generation. The queen of the south shall rise up, in the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the utmost parts of the earth 
to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, a greater than Jonah is here. Father, we thank you today for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Lord, let us receive that word today as it is your word, which shall never pass away, which every jot and tittle of it will come to pass, which every part of it is living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. Let the word of God deal with us today, not my actions, not my antics, not anything about me. But Father, let your word be brought alive to this house through the work of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You can take your seat. Thank you so much for standing. I want, uh, guys, if you will, to start running this <clears throat> video that we've, we've got, uh, if you can do that for us, that it's already running. Thank you. I'm just running that because I want you to see uh, it's just different signs. Uh, for some of you, uh, it's signs that you don't ever pay any attention to. Uh, Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just, these are signs that you see when you get on the road. Uh, never will forget that wrong way sign. I was with my dad one time. We were in Mobile. Daddy got twisted up, and we got on a wrong way, uh, uh, one way, going the wrong way street. A man on the street corner hollered at Daddy. Daddy had his window down. And, and a man on the street corner hollered at Daddy and said, Hey, you're going the wrong way. This is a one-way street. Daddy said, Well, I'm just headed one way anyway, so we're going that way. So. But you see these signs. And these signs are signs that we see on a constant basis. We see them as we're driving on the road and going down the highway. We see these signs. Road work ahead lets us know that there's some construction going on up ahead uh, in, in the highway. We see uh, these bump signs, and, uh, and if you don't slow down, uh, you know it. And we see all these signs detour ahead. And I, I wanted to, to do this because I want you to picture something and get something in your mind. Signs are given to us for our good. State of Alabama doesn't spend money on these signs such as this to uh, just to add to the decoration of the highway. These signs such as this merge sign, slippery road, and those signs like that are created and they're put beside the highway to warn us and to let us know that there's potential danger ahead. And we see these signs all over the place. And, and so it's, it's with these signs that 
that our laws are set to condition us to, to think that when I see a sign that says 55 miles per hour, that doesn't mean 65 miles per hour or 85 miles per hour for some, but it means 55. And I, baby, don't do me like that. I, I must confess, I had fellowship with an officer in the Loxley Police Department the other day, <laughs> sitting beside the road, um, because I was doing 75 and a 55. Uh, see, it ain't every pastor that'll stand up and tell you stuff like that. All right? See, if I was perfect, I wouldn't be here today. I'd be in heaven, all right? So I'm just, I'm just sharing some things with you, all right? Is that good? See, the Lord blessed, you know, and I've never had a ticket. All right. Is that good enough, baby? Did I dig out of that pretty good? But signs. You see, I wouldn't have gotten stopped if I had obeyed the signs. But what happened was I disregarded the sign. There are many people that were killed in automobile accidents last night or yesterday that are dead this morning because they didn't obey the signs. We had, we've had people give testimony in this church. And their testimony was that they lost almost their entire family because somebody didn't look at a red light. People die. People lose their lives. While I've been up here talking, people have died because they didn't obey the signs. We have signs that we can see on the highway. We have signs that lets us know there's a sharp curve up ahead. We have signs that lets us know there's a stop sign up ahead. We have signs to let us know that there's oncoming traffic up ahead. And those signs, we can see them. And it's up to us of whether or not we heed them. If we fail to heed them, we pay the price. If we fail to be obedient to those signs, we pay the price. And many times we pay the ultimate price. Because those signs are put there for us. They're put there for us. They're, they are prophetic of something that is down the road. 
A stop ahead sign is prophetic. It is prophetic that there's a stop that's going to have to be made down the road. A sign that is yellow and black that has a sharp arrow on it is a prophetic sign that is prophesying to me that there's a curve down the road and that me running at the speed that I'm running right now and make that curve will be an impossibility. But we as humans many times don't have a good record in paying attention to prophetic things in our lives. Jesus, in this story, as, as there was a crowd of people gathered around, the first thing he said is, I want you to understand that we are living in an evil generation. I don't have to go into detail and tell you that we are living in an evil generation. Life matters nothing to, to many people now. And so we're living in an evil generation. Somebody said, will it ever get any better? The only way that this generation is going to get better will not come through social programs. It will not, be, it will not come through government-mandated programs. It doesn't matter if you're Democratic or Republican. They are not going to fix the problem that we have in our world now. The only answer to the problem in our society today is if we fix the heart that is beating on the inside. We've got to have a, re a renewal from the inside out. Because working from the outside in will do you no good. You can put on the MAC makeup. You can put on all the other MAC, uh, makeup and all that. Fix yourself up real pretty. Dye your gray head and make it turn red or black or whatever you want to turn it to and all of that. But you will still be the same individual when you get up in the morning. If you cuss somebody out yesterday, dye your head a different color, you'll cuss them out again the next day. If, listen, if you put on Mac makeup and get all pretty and all that, they're still ugly on the inside of you. That if you don't fix the ugly on the inside of you, the makeup will do you no good. I don't care what denomination you are. I don't care what religion you belong to. I don't care what you got up over the door of your church. It does not matter. Only a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ will make a difference in your life. You can do it because daddy did it. You can do it because mama did it. You can do it uh, because your aunt did it or whatever. But until you do it yourself and get Jesus in your life, there will never be any peace, joy, and hope found in your life. The Lord spoke to me the other day and, and said this. He said, son, the darkness demands the light. Listen, I can grumble at my government. I can berate my president. I can tear down my government leaders. 
I can do all this. I can backbite. I can rebel. I can do all of that. But ladies and gentlemen, I have got to understand as a man of God, not as a pastor, but as a man of God who loves Jesus Christ with all of my heart, I have got to understand and come to the revelation that the darkness around me demands that the light in me begin to come out. You were created for the darkness, sir. You were created for the darkness, ma'am. God has called you to be a light. He's called you to be an illumination in the place that you're in. Not to put everybody down and not to tear everybody down and not to kick and scream and grumble and complain and murmur and all that. Stand up and let Jesus be the light in your life. Your attitude is not the answer, and I'm going to move on, I know. Your ideas are not the answer. Your political preference is not the answer. The way that you view the world is not your answer. The way that you view what I do and the way that I view what you do is not the answer. Jesus is the answer. God, help us to come back to the place to where it's about Jesus. And it's not about my political ideas. Jesus said, this is an evil generation. They seek a sign. And he said, there's not going to be a sign given to an evil generation. Think about that. There's not going to be a sign given to an evil generation. Why? Because the evil generation cannot recognize the signs of the time. That's the reason that many people in the world think that we're just going to keep on evolving. Things are going to get better. We're going to keep on creating programs and social uh, programs and it's going to make people better and better. We're going to keep bringing all these people around and all that, and everything is going to get better. That's the reason that we see that, that people today are making decisions around us that will affect us, that they think that they're doing right, but we, as Christians, look and say, have you lost your mind? Why? Because there's something on the inside of us that is telling us, pay attention to the sign. Holy Spirit that is working on the inside of the believers will say, watch that sign. Jesus said, there's no sign going to be given it but the sign of Jonah the prophet. For as Jonah was a sign unto the Ninevites, so shall also the Son of Man be to this generation. What Jesus was talking about was that Jonah, remember several weeks ago we talked about Jonah just a little bit, and I wanted to come back, and I might come back on Jonah, but, but we talked about that Jonah was, was uh, told by God to do something. Jonah said, I'm not going to do it. And he rebelled and he went the opposite way that God asked him to go. 
God asked him to go and preach to the Ninevites, but because of Jonah's prejudices, let's just be real, because of Jonah's prejudices, he said, I'm not going to preach to the Ninevites. And he went the opposite way. God arrested him on his journey on the boat. To make a long story short, Jonah got thrown off the boat into the churning sea. And a whale comes along, or a big fish, and swallows Jonah up. Jonah's in the belly of the whale. We talked about the blessing of the whale. Some of, y- some of y'all need to say, Jesus, thank you for the whale. Because the whale saved your life. All right, so Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days. The whale spit him out on the shore. Jesus said, there's no sign going to be given but that sign of Jonah in the belly of the fish. I'm going to, the reason that I think that Jesus was bringing that was, was multi, but one of them was that Jesus was talking about him being in the grave for three days and ra- being raised again on the third day. The other thing that I believe applies to this generation is that, that I believe that Jesus was somewhere in the mix of all that was saying, I am, I am dealing with, with people that are wanting to go this way and I want them to go this way. I'm dealing with people that I've given them a message and a word and a gift and an anointing, but they're wanting to go this way. And Jesus said, there's a whale that's going to come along and arrest you and get you to the place that I want you to go. Because I want to tell you something. Your gift, your gift and your anointing And your presence and who you are is demanded to be here today. God needs you today, ladies and gentlemen. He needs you, Daddy. He needs you, Mama, to stand up and be a leader to your family and to your children. God needs you to rise up, sir, and quit worrying about what the world is going to think about you, what people are going to say about you, and rise up, pull your boots up, and tighten your belt buckle up, and stand up and say, I'm going to serve Jesus. I'm going to live for the Lord. I'm going to lead my family. I'm going to guide my children into the way of the Lord. Mm. But I want you to notice, Jesus said, for as Jonah was assigned to the Ninevites, so shall also the Son of Man be to this generation. Jonah went reluctantly and preached to the Ninevites. These were heathens from the word go. I mean, they were devils. They hated the nation of Israel. They were bad to the bone. There wasn't, there wasn't a good bone nowhere in their body. And if anybody deserved judgment, the Ninevites deserved judgment. But yet God sent Jonah 
which was one of the only Old Testament prophets that was ever commissioned by God to go to a Gentile nation and preach the gospel. This whole nation of Nineveh, Jonah, listen, Jonah didn't come in and get on, on the stage with all these pretty lights and these drums and all that. He didn't have a worship team to go for it, uh, before him. Jonah just come walking through the city. He just come walking through the city. And to put it, you're going to hell if you don't turn. If you don't get your life right, you're going to hell. Some of y'all afraid I'm going to come back there. So I, I'm going I'm to let y'all off. But you're going to hell if you don't turn. That's what Jonah was preaching. The Bible says that out of that simple message that Jonah preached, that the whole nation from the king all the way down repented in sackcloth and ashes, turned their lives around, and God brought revival to that entire nation. Heathens, hearing the message of the gospel, fell on their face, repented of their sins, and turned their lives over to God. Jesus said this, For as Jonah was assigned to the Ninevites, you know what? They recognized the sign. They recognized the sign. They fell on their face and repented. But Jesus was talking to a generation that was disregarding the sign. Jesus said this, so shall also the Son of Man be to this generation. Let me go on down. I told you I wasn't going to be long. I've got seven minutes. The Queen of the South shall rise up in the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the utmost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. Talking about the queen of Sheba in 1 Kings chapter 10. If you trace that, the queen of Sheba traveled 1,200 miles to hear the wisdom of Solomon. She didn't go to Pensacola Airport, hop a flight, and fly. She got on a camel and rode the back of a camel for 1,200 miles to hear the wisdom of Solomon. The Bible says that when she heard, she, that she came, and she came uh, to uh, concerning the name of the Lord and to prove Solomon with hard questions. The Bible says in 1 Kings uh, chapter 10 and verse 4 that when she had seen all of his wisdom the house that he had built the meat of his table the sitting of his servants the attendance of his ministers and their apparel his cupbearers and the way that he ascended up to the house of the Lord the Bible says there was no more spirit left in her he took my breath away. 
Jesus said there is one greater than Solomon that's here. Jesus was saying, I am greater than Solomon. And the effect that Solomon had on the queen of Sheba, she turned. It blew her away. She was speechless. And Jesus said she heeded that sign and that, listen, the Bible says that Jesus said that the queen of the south, talking about the queen of Sheba, shall rise up in the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them for she came from the utmost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon and behold a greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonas, and behold, a greater than Jonah is here. So to make a long, long story short, to bring it down where we can understand it, Jesus used the example of Jonah and the example of the queen of Sheba and how uh, Nineveh responded to the message that Jonah preached the queen of Sheba responded to the wisdom uh, that Solomon had, and it blew her away. And what Jesus was saying was, this generation is refusing to heed the sign, I am greater than Jonah, I am greater than Solomon, but yet the sign that I'm giving is going to be my resurrection. I am going to die, and I'm going to be raised again on the third day. Jesus was saying was, there's a generation that he was talking to then and is even now that you will not receive, you will not accept the fact that I rose again. The Bible says this, that when Jesus, uh, when the people went to the tomb that day and they found that the tomb was empty, they went back and told the disciples. The news began to spread and all the Pharisees and all these religious folks began to hear that the tomb was empty. They didn't know what had happened. They didn't know what had happened to the body of Jesus. All they knew was what was coming from the disciples, that he has rose again, he has resurrected. But you know what the Pharisees did? the Pharisees got them some money out of the bank and run down to the tomb and they gathered all those soldiers up that had been assigned to guard the tomb of Jesus so that nobody could get in and that he couldn't get out. So much for guarding. And they began to give them bribes and they said, if anybody asks you what happened to the body of Jesus, you tell them that his disciples came during the night and stole the body away. Because God forbid that this should get out and the population should understand and believe that he actually rose from the dead. But you see what they could not do is they could not pay enough money because the Bible says over in 1 Corinthians that over 500 men and women uh, witnessed Jesus face to face after his resurrection. What the devil tried to do with a little bit of money, Jesus said you can't hide this, you can't shut this down, you can't stop it. I am resurrected, I am living, I have overcome the grave, I have defeated death, the sting of death has been taken away I am alive not only today but I am alive forevermore 
The power of the resurrection. And that's what Jesus was talking about in the Old Testament. They heeded these signs. But Jesus said the sign of my resurrection is the very thing that I'm giving to a world to let you know that death cannot stop you. I'm letting you know that man can't shut you down because I am the resurrection and the life. It is the, listen... We're living in a culture today that if you don't add to the gospel of Jesus that he's going to give you money in the bank, nobody wants him. I got one minute till I start closing. We're in a generation today, ladies and gentlemen, that the gospel of Jesus bled, died, rose again for my sins is not enough for many people today. We've got to have something. Well, what am I going to get from this? You've got to add something to it. You can't just tell people that Jesus died for them. You can't just say that the blood was shed for your sins to redeem you from sin. You can't just tell people that. You've got to offer something else. You've got to give them a hot dog or a hamburger or something to make them, make them happy and, and get them in. You've got to tell them that, 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 that if, they, if they put money in the offering that, that they're going to get a, a, a refund back on their taxes of more money than they've ever paid in taxes in their lives. Just telling people that Jesus rose again on the third day is not enough. There's got to be something more. And that sounds, that sounds probably foolish to many of you. But I'm afraid, ladies and gentlemen, that if you take an honest look in our culture, you turn on TV, Christian TV, and see all the junk that's going on on Christian television and how people are being sucked in to things that are totally unbiblical. It will let you know that if I stood here today and I told you to come to Jesus. And when you come to Jesus, your finances are going to turn around. Even though you spend like crazy, God's going to put more money in your bank than you can ever spend. Probably the altar would fill up. If I were to stand here today and tell you if you'll accept Jesus, all the problems in your marriage are going to disappear like that. If I were to tell you today, if you will accept Jesus, that addiction in your life will be gone just like that. And you'll never have any more worries and never have any more problems than people would run to the altar. But if I tell you today, if you accept Jesus, you've got to die to yourself. You've got to be, as Paul said, in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, when he said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, 
I live by his faith or the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. I have died to myself and I've been raised again and I'm walking in the flesh. And though I'm walking in the flesh, I'm, it's not me, but it's Christ who's living inside of me. I want to tell you something this morning, ladies and gentlemen. We need to pay attention to the signs. We need, to, we need to recognize the signs that are happening around us today and understand that Jesus, over 2,000 years ago, standing in the middle of a crowd of people, said this is an evil generation. And just as Jonah and just as the queen of Sheba uh, listened and God used them, he said, you need to pay attention that the sign that I'm giving you is I will go in the tomb for three days, but on the third day I'm going to defeat death and I'm going to come out a resurrected Savior. And the, the reason that that is important, ladies and gentlemen, is this, that life down here is temporal. It's going to be gone in an instant. It'll be over with. All that work and all that labor that you did is going to be passed on to your children. But Jesus said, when you draw your last breath here on this earth, because I am the resurrection and the life, you will take your first one in heaven with me. Never, ever, ever to deal with death anymore. Never, ever, ever to deal with Arthur and Bertha again. They will be gone. You said, who is Arthur and Bertha? Arthritis and Bertha. Bursitis. Never, ever, ever to deal with those things again. I hear somebody said, that's enough right there, Pastor. I need Jesus. I'm coming. I'm giving my life to Jesus. If Arthur's not going to be a part of my life, I'm giving my life to Jesus. The way some of y'all are looking at me, you're wanting to look over at the one next to you and say, what is he talking about? But here, here's, here's the thing, guys. The fact that Jesus rose again on the third day settles it for us as Christians. There's nothing else to be said. You don't have to add anything to it. You can't take anything away from it. That's just the way it is. The resurrection sealed everything that Jesus did while here on earth. When he called Lazarus out of the tomb... The resurrection sealed the fact that he has power over life and death. When he raised the young lady up that was dying, the resurrection sealed the fact that that was not just a one-time thing, but it can happen again. Listen, when Jesus opened the eyes of blind Bartimaeus, the resurrection lets us know that he is still today opening the eyes of the blind. 
If it had not been for the resurrection, all of that would have just been good history. But that's all that it would have been. But because of the resurrection, that is just a storybook that lets us know what is coming right now and what is happening right now in our lives. See, the resurrection sealed the fact that every word that Jesus said, Brother Jack, is absolutely true. It wasn't only true back then, but it is true right now. The resurrection sealed the fact that if Jesus said in John chapter 14, I don't let your heart be troubled. Uh, Sister Sandy, y'all go ahead and come. I'm on the runway and I'm closing. In John chapter 14, Jesus said this, Don't let your heart be troubled. You believed in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you so. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. The resurrection sealed the fact that that is absolutely truth. The sign the sign. So we're seeing a lot of things prophetically that are coming to pass according to Scripture. But don't miss the ultimate sign of Jesus raising on the third day. Would you stand with me, please? <clears throat> I know that we've already had opportunities for time around the altar. But as the musicians begin to play, you can go ahead and start singing. I want to give you an opportunity, and I want to preface it with this. There are many things that I do in my life and there are many things that, that we do in our lives as a family. There are many things that Judy and myself do in our family. But one of the most important things that we do, and I wish that I could stand here today and tell you that every day, every night before we go to bed, we do this. We pray every night. But maybe a few times a week, we come together as a family in our house. If you're staying with us in our house, it don't matter. We're going to come together and we're going to have some prayer. We're going to do some Bible study. The greatest thing that, that we do is pray. The greatest thing, Mom and Dad, that you will ever do for your children is to know how to put your hand on them and pray for them. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how much money you've got in your bank. I don't care about any of that. The greatest thing that you will ever do in your life is to have the honor and the pleasure of putting your hand on one of your children and saying, Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak your life in your name over my child. So I want this morning, as Brother Pat sings, I want you this morning to come. Mom, Dad, 
You need to come and say, Father, teach me to pray. I don't want to miss the signs of the hour that we're in. I want to be able to give my children something that will not pass away.